Welcome to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry, presented by Boston Women in Media and Entertainment. If you want to get someone's attention, just tell them a great story. If you want to inspire someone, share your story. And that's what this show is all about. I believe that successful women think differently. And by the end of this podcast, I hope that you'll agree. In the spotlight, Jessica Leap. She comes from Framingham, Massachusetts. This LPN, wife and mother of four, had no pain, no symptoms, no family history when she heard the words no woman wants to hear. You have breast cancer. She was only 37 years old, and nearly five years have passed and the road has been long, filled with brutal rounds of chemo, moments of victory, and lots of disappointment, but always punctuated by hope. Jessica is living with stage four metastatic breast cancer, and her personal philosophy is rooted around the fact that she will not allow her life to be defined by her disease. And this is her story. Jessica, welcome to the show. Hi, Candy. Thank you. So nice to see you. We met a couple of months ago, and I knew I wanted to have you all to myself so that I could hear your whole story. It's such an honor to be here. Thank Thank you. you. Take us back to that day. It was September 2013 when you were diagnosed with breast cancer. Yes, September is when I got, you know, all of the pieces of the puzzle to start a treatment plan. But it was actually back in July on my 37th birthday when I had all, I had the mammogram, I had the biopsy, and then I had all of the testing where they told me, you have cancer, we just don't have all the pathology back yet, so we don't know what type of cancer, what stage, but yeah, so it took- On your 37th birthday. On my 37th birthday. What's the first thing that went through your head? The first thing that went through my head, you know, I wasn't scared. I wasn't scared of dying. I wasn't scared of treatment. I wasn't scared of cancer. I- you know, I, I, it was for me, um, I had lived a life full of adversity and, and, you know, fighting things and, and overcoming all different obstacles. So for me, it was, I just looked at it as another obstacle. You are an LPN, a nurse. So I'm guessing that your mind was racing and you were asking the kinds of questions that a lot of other women who get a diagnosis like this might not be asking. Well, the problem with that was um, I knew too much. I had so many questions, and most of the questions I knew the answers to. That was kind of scary. I didn't like being so informed, even when the doctors are always hesitant to tell you a lot of information. You know, I I knew what they were going to say. You were able to fill in the blanks. Yeah, which doesn't make me a very good patient. I was just about to say, is it hard to go from caregiver to patient? Absolutely. (laughs) You're shaking your head. You know, I'm just, I'm not, you know, I'm not a very good patient. As mothers, we worry more about our babies than we do about ourselves. Mm -hmm. How did you tell your children? Tell us a little bit about your family. Well, my youngest daughter was just three years old when I was diagnosed. You know, that was, that was tough. I had a three-year-old and a four-year-old, and I had very long hair. It was down to my hips. I had always had long hair. Working with social workers about how to tell them about my diagnosis, because they didn't know what cancer was. You can't tell a three-year-old and a four-year-old, you can't tell them about cancer. Um, The only thing you can tell them is mommy is sick. But mommy is going to be okay. The biggest thing for them was losing my hair and not looking like mommy anymore. When I had to tell them that I was going to lose my hair, all the clinicians, the social worker told me, 
I needed to tell my children that I was taking some medicine that was going to make me better, but the medicine was going to make me lose my hair. Knowing my children, and they already had an aversion to medicine anyways, I, I couldn't tell them that because then they would never take medication for the rest of their lives, <laughs> thinking that they were going to lose their hair. Right. I told them that I had to take this medicine, and the doctors think that if I shave my head, the medicine will work better. So they liked that, and we made a game out of it. So I sat them up on the vanity, and I gave them the buzzers, and I just leaned over, and I let them buzz all of my hair off. And we kind of made it a game so they weren't scared. And we laughed about it. And it was the one thing that we didn't document. We didn't take pictures. Um, we just let, uh, we just had the moment. And then we moved on. You also have two stepchildren. I do. I do. What was that like to tell them? That was. They're older. They are. They're, right now they're in high school and in college. You know, my husband was definitely hesitant in telling them because. They had never been exposed to anybody that they care about being sick. So it was very scary. But everybody just handled it, worked together, and we didn't really have any sad moments. We didn't have any crying. We just were all there for each other through the the first year of when it was really tough with the hard chemos and the, the masks and the gloves and the germs. Tell me about your cancer journey, because I know that you decided that you were going to fight this thing with every ounce of your being. Even when doctors said, Jess, this chemotherapy is too strong, and we're going to have to back off a little bit, you would beg them not to stop. Oh, you have no idea. I, I would. I would cry and just beg for the chemo when they were telling me about dose reductions, because I was really having some side effects that were disabling. I mean, I, I couldn't zipper up a coat. I couldn't tie a shoe. I couldn't do buttons. The neuropathy and the numbness was so bad. I couldn't walk because my feet were so numb. The swelling in my legs were, you know, I had 10 pounds of fluid in my legs. And I was getting fevers every day that were causing me to be hospitalized. And yet I just didn't care about any of that stuff. I just didn't want them to take away my chemo because the chemo was working. It was making me very sick, but it was, it was killing the cancer. So I fought and fought. I never won any of those battles being told, now, Jessica, this is, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. We don't want you to be disabled. You died twice I did. I, coded, I did code twice. You know, part of it was me being stubborn and thinking that I could take on the world and cancer at the same time and overdoing it, not keeping myself hydrated. What have you learned from that? What do you say to a woman who might be facing some of these scenarios? You don't have to be superwoman. You don't. There was an organization that reached out to help you and your family during this time called the Ellie Fund. And for anyone listening, you got to check out this charity. It's just unbelievable. The Elliefund.org. What did they do for you and your family? The Ellie Fund isn't just an organization. It is, it's a bunch of women who care about you and want to help you and take care of you and your family and make sure that you are taken care of, you have all of the resources and the support that you need, whether it be gas in your car to get to treatments, transportation, somebody at your house to clean the bathrooms, or somebody there to read a book to your children. They are there, 
And if you need something, all you have to do is make a phone call and they will be there the next day. And this is they have been here for me from day one and they are still here today. How did you get through the darkest times during your treatment? That's a tough question to answer only because I struggle with asking for help. I've always struggled with asking for help and, and that hasn't changed. So I spent a lot of time by myself crying after the kids go to bed and I would just cry it out and then start the next day with a different attitude. But to be honest with you, I traveled around the country, went to a bunch of different conferences, and I kind of found my tribe. I found people who are like me. My best friend, who is exactly like me, lives in California. But it's almost like she's here with me because we are so connected. She's my person. And my tribe, these women who are my age, living with this disease as I'm living with this disease, they're the ones who get me through the, the dark times. My family and my friends, and I've got such an amazing community of support, they really carry me through day to day, but through the dark times and, and the, the hard stuff, I've got my tribe. What is hope for you? How do you stay hopeful? You know, I just try to live my life as if cancer doesn't have control over it. I find hope in everything. I'm not, I'm not a negative person. I'm always finding a reason to smile. And I make those plans. I make long-term plans with my family. We plan vacations two years down the road. I don't think in the back of my mind, wait a minute, I might not be here in two years for this. So I don't really give much, much thought to that. You took the long way around becoming a nurse. <laughs> I did. And you've got a really interesting backstory, a life story. Take us back. Let's get a little light here, okay? Because it's a, it's a pretty heavy interview when we're talking to someone who's living her life with a terminal illness. What was your upbringing like? Well, you know, my parents were very young when I was born, actually, in high school, still trying to figure out what they wanted to do with their lives. So I really, I was raised by my grandparents and my grandmother specifically. I, I mean, I had the best childhood. She was the, she just raised me so well. I, I just love all of. What, what, what did she teach you? She just taught me how to be a strong person and, and how to, to stand up for myself and be the best that I can be. She taught me how to be independent and brave and, and just who I am to everything that I am and everything that I am about today is because of her. When you decided that you were going to be a licensed practical nurse, it was a little bit later and you'd tried a couple other things. Where were you in your life at that point? You know, I started out going to college just because I wanted to get out of Natick. I just wanted to get out of town and, you know, or leave Massachusetts. So I went to Rhode Island and I started college there. And then I, you know, wasn't happy there. So then I moved to New York and started going to school in New York. And I didn't, had no idea what I wanted to do. To be honest with you, I had more fun living in New York, bartending at night and meeting lots of people. I met such great people and great friends when I was out there that I still talk to. I stayed out there for over four years, living right in Manhattan, right in Midtown, then I finally had to put my big girl pants on and say, you know what, I need to decide what I'm going to do with myself, with my life here. 
so I moved back to Massachusetts and reconnected with, you know, my family and my friends, started getting serious about school and an education and went back to school full time and, and decided that this is what I wanted to do. I got married young. My first husband had AML. He got diagnosed with acute myelogenic leukemia and needed a bone marrow transplant. You know, his story and, and everything that I learned from him made me want to get into healthcare, really, because the people that took care of him and the support that he had and how he came out of that and is now, you know, doing very well and living and has a family and, you know, has been cancer-free for so many years, that really made me want to get into healthcare and to help people because I just saw, I saw the other side of it. That's where I wanted to be. Please support our sponsors. They make this show possible. More than 30,000 families and businesses have trusted TechHelpBoston.com since the year 2000. Dave Elmazian, president of TechHelpBoston, with the reasons why. We like to establish a relationship with our customers, and the best way to do that is see them in their natural setting, so to speak, and that's in their home. We come to you, we work with you on your equipment in a setting that's comfortable for you, and also we can test better that way, because if you have a printing problem or whatever, and we bring it to a shop, it may work great in the shop, but it might not work in your home. So this way we know for sure everything is working the way that it should. TechHelpBoston.com. Their experts will come to your home or office to fix your computer same day, next day, and weekends, too. Visit TechHelpBoston.com. That's TechHelpBoston.com. Thank you so much for listening to the story behind her success. Hi, this is Candy O'Terry, and in the spotlight, wife and mother, Jessica Leap. Diagnosed with breast cancer at only 37, the cancer has spread, and she is now stage four but she continues to thrive in every way she can, treasuring the value of each and every day. And her mantra is, my life is not about cancer. You've made a lot of changes in your home based on what you have learned about cancer. Can you share them with us? Well, when I got diagnosed with cancer, I realized that I didn't have control over a lot until I realized I could control how I feel physically with my side effects. I was not going to let cancer keep me in bed for a couple of days after treatment. I figured out how I was going to not let that happen. So I changed everything in my house with regards to diet, um, cleaning products, cleaning. We went natural, I mean, with everything. We don't use any chemicals, bleach. We don't use any of that stuff in our house, anything with, with harsh chemicals. As far as diet goes, I cut out all processed foods, all sugars, not because I thought that cutting all of these things that were going to cure my cancer. I knew that if I changed the way we live, the way we eat, that I wouldn't have as bad of, a, of side effects as I do. I knew that I would feel better. So we don't eat processed foods or sugar. I have a very expensive commercial juicer at home that took cold pressed juice. We bought a new house a few years ago within a mile of Whole Foods so I could go there every single day and <laughs> buy all fresh stuff and it has made a huge difference. There's a, an organization called Find the Cause, findthecause.org and they are huge believers in the fact that a lot of what we have all around us, the foods that we eat, the products that we use, contribute to cancer, in particular to women and breast cancer. A very wise woman named Julie Goldman once said to me, 
Terminal cancer patients are like flowers. We are cut off at the roots, but we can still bloom. What do you think about that? That is so true. That is so true about me because I, I don't look sick. If you look at me, I don't look like a sick person. I, don't look, I certainly don't look like a cancer patient. I have a full head of hair now. I'm at a healthy weight. I'm thriving. I'm happy. I, and yet I'm very sick inside. And I don't let that show at all. So even like my, my roots, my insides are cut. Everything is broken, but I am blooming. That is me. What has been the biggest lesson for you through this cancer journey? Getting diagnosed with terminal cancer has made me a better person. And I might get emotional talking about that because I wasn't a bad person. I didn't appreciate a lot of stuff. I really didn't. I wasn't empathetic. I didn't know what that word meant. I know what having sympathy for somebody is. But I didn't know what having empathy was. And, man, getting diagnosed with cancer made me really appreciate what is important in life and really know what empathy is and to, and to, to put yourself in someone's shoes even to, to put yourself in someone's shoes that doesn't have cancer, but just when I see someone struggling, I put myself in their shoes. And it is just, I don't know, for me, it is so special. I am so, I feel so grateful that I am able to experience what empathy is and then to be able to help a struggling person because I can see how they're feeling and I can feel what they're feeling. And, do you and see the world differently now? I do. I absolutely do. If you could take a woman who has just heard the words, you have breast cancer by the hand, what would you say to her? Don't nail your coffin shut. Don't. You've got so much life to live. You're not dying. Cancer is not a death sentence. Look at you. It's not. You're still here. I'm still here. I'm, it'll be five years. If you had asked me right when I got diagnosed if I would be here five years later, I would, I would have said no. I absolutely would have said no. I didn't think that I would see my youngest child get into kindergarten. And she's going to be in third grade. So I am so grateful. The idea of leaving your children is the hardest part. Yet... How do you prepare for that? And what do you say? Or do you even not give yourself permission to go there? No, I go there. I do go there. I don't go there often because I'm not afraid of dying at all. I am afraid of leaving my children. So I have prepared letters and cards. I'm sorry. You know, if, if I could just share one thing with you. When we first met, I told you that I'd lost my mom when I was a teenager. And I have some letters that she wrote to me when I started college. It's a yellow box, and I go into that box, and I read it. But what I don't have from her, which I've always wanted, is just 
a little bit of a road map, you know, just a little bit of a candy. If this happens, do that. If this happens, don't do that. You know, just the things that moms tell us because she wasn't done with me yet. I wasn't fully cooked, if you know what I mean. I'm going to guess that's that's what these letters do. They are um if I'm not there for their first date or for you know their wedding or a just because card or you've had a bad day. Here's a card. I have prepared these cards where they say open just because or open after your first date or open on your wedding day open after you have your first child you know things those are gifts things that i want them to know how happy i am for them and how oh, how much good they're going to put in the world and when if they're having a bad day I want them to know what their mother would say to them. People struggle with what to say to you. How do you help us say the right thing? For me, it's really not about the words at this point. It's just about being there. Sometimes just showing up and giving a hug or just sitting there and watching TV or... Just, just being there, just knowing that I have somebody there. Um, it, it's not really about the words. I don't need anybody to tell me that, um, you know, I'm, I'm in their thoughts and prayers. I love that. I've got so much love and support. And I love that people take time out of their day to give me this love and support. It really, it really fills me up and it makes a huge difference. But to just, for somebody to just be there and show up, that means a lot. That means a lot. Success means different things to different people at different times in their lives. At this moment, what does success mean for you, Jessica Leap? At this moment, success is just getting through every day for me. And I, lo- I look forward to every day. I love my life. And I'm, I feel successful every single night when I go to bed. I go to bed happy even if there was yelling and screaming and fighting that's success we i made it through a day with my children we made memories we had a successful day i want to say thank you so much for being my guest for being so open and so honest and sharing your story with us on the story behind her success thanks so much thanks so much candy Thanks for listening to The Story Behind Her Success with Candy O'Terry, presented by Boston Women in Media and Entertainment. This is a new series with one goal in mind, to shine the spotlight on women doing great things with their lives. We hope these weekly stories will motivate and inspire you. Connect with Candy anytime on Facebook, Twitter, and her website, CandyOterry.com. That's C-A-N-D-Y-O-T-E-R-R-Y.com. You'll find all of these links in the show notes. What's your story?